This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. We're going to be talking about some Bulldogs. They're not the Georgia Bulldogs. They're coming up in a few weeks. We're talking about the Sanford Bulldogs. Jared, how you doing? And uh, excited to obviously be talking about another win in our last podcast. And, uh, you know, we're 2-0 heading into Sanford now, um, which is pretty crazy. But I'll take it, um, considering how bad we played against Cal. Personally, shocker, I'm not worried about Sanford. Um, I was just looking back at what Sanford has done this season. Uh, They beat Shorter University. And uh, then they just laid an egg pretty much against Western Carolina um, and lost 30 to seven last week. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and I think we're going to be able to handle business here. Um, th- this is kind of one of those also weird games where it's going to be evening game. We'll get to see some of the new enhancements like Auburn's kind of told us about with the light show. And um, yeah, that that'll be cool. But I don't know how much we'll actually get to see of the team. Um, you know, the changes that we all kind of saw and what we need to see out of this team, um, there's going to be some stuff. So, Jerry, what's kind of your thoughts on on the Sanford team? Is there anything you think we can kind of glean from uh, playing Sanford uh, this week? No, I don't think so. I mean, the only thing... It's kind of with UMass. The only thing you could take away from this is if you struggle. If yeah. you struggle, that could be a sign. If you play well, it doesn't mean much, in my opinion. Um, I know that's bad. It's a no-win situation for the football team. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you go out there and win 55-7, to 7, okay, well, you should have. If you go out there and win 25-7, to 7, well, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in a game like this where – I don't think there's an official line for this game. Uh, at least I haven't seen one yet. But I would I would expect Auburn to win like whatever the line's gonna be, like thirty plus points, if not forty point. Like Auburn should pretty handily beat Sanford. Um and this is in my mind kind of like another warm up game to the SEC schedule, which as soon as we get into that it's going to hit us hard because you're going to go to Texas A&M. You're going to have Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, which you got three teams right in a row that currently are in the top 25 after Texas A&M. And Texas A&M was just in the top 25 um, and have the talent to probably be in the top 25. Um, so, like, we're about to go through a gauntlet. And if you don't handle business right now against Sanford, the next – three to four weeks are going to be really rough on you. Um, so you got to handle business here first off um, against Sanford in an evening game. Um, and then from that point on, it's kind of let's, let's just do what we need to get out of there. No injuries. That's kind of the key here. Um, I think some of the other stuff like snapping fractions or holdings, you can kind of clean those up. But it's Sanford, so we shouldn't have to, you know, do a whole bunch of holding calls, anything like that. Um, but we'll have to see. Um, let's talk about our players to watch for Auburn. 
We'll go offense, defense, special team, just like we always do. Let's start with offense. Jared, who are you kind of be watching on offense? Uh, are there any players that you think could benefit from this game against Sanford and maybe show out? <laughs> I mean, I want to see a passing game. So I would, I'm going to be keeping an eye on, I guess, whoever's starting at quarterback, probably Peyton Thorne and what yeah. connection, what, what chemistry can he build with his receivers? Um, because that's, we got to get that. I mean, that you, I will say, I know I said there's not much you can, you know, get from this game, but I think we got to go out there and not just go out there just to win and be vanilla. You got to go out there and get a rhythm going. Like we got to build yeah. some confidence. We can't just hold the playbook back and then go into A&M and assume we're going to have chemistry and be able to throw the ball enough to win that ball game. Well, and, so we, we got to start and, doing and, that now. And the point I think you're making is, you know, it seemed like we kind of did that against UMass, kind of held things back, very vanilla, and go to Cal, kind of similar situation, and start doing some stuff, and it's not working. I'd, I'd rather show it, put it on tape right now. Um, maybe that helps teams in the future kind of game plan against us. But at some point, you got to put something on film, uh, and you have to win. You have to win. So if it means throwing the ball a little bit more, like you mentioned, having a better like QB wide receiver combo going, I'm all for that. Even if it means we show a little bit more. Um, again, we have to win, and Sanford will definitely win. Um, but I'm I'm even looking future. We got some some big games, and uh, we got to get that going. Um, so I mean, I love your pick of wide receivers and quarterback. Um, if I was to pick any one of the the running backs, I mean, Jeremiah Cobb, my gosh, like he's been a, a bright spot. Um, and what we already knew was a good running back core, but Jeremiah Cobb is just electric. Um, I mean, he even had, I think a play last week where he, he ran the ball. I think it was like a, either a speed sweep or like a screen or something. And it was like for like 20 something yards, unfortunately he got called back for a holding, which probably wasn't even needed. Um, and you're like, that's the kind of capability that I think Jeremiah Cobb, I I could see Jeremiah Cobb just going off, um, in this game. Let's talk about defense. Uh, who are going to be your players to watch Jared on defense for Auburn? I mean, it's gotta be Asante, right? Yeah. (laughs) Let's see if that continues. I mean, that was just amazing what he did against Cal. So I would say Asante. And then can any of the other linebackers step up? I mean, we don't need yeah. to be fully on him to have to carry that load. So other people need to step up. But, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to be having my eyes on – I think he's number nine. I'm going to be watching him because he, he was yep. he was fun to watch in that Cal game. Yeah. Um, I, I think generally, you know, Asante, um, but then even, even maybe broader linebackers and is my mind the main concern of this team. Uh, and I, I don't think, again, like we're going to be able to tell too much. Like I don't expect Sanford to even put up like maybe even double digits against Auburn this this game. Um, but I want to see um, where these you know, second string guys are getting the reps, uh, because at some point, Eugene Asante is not going to have that amazing of a game and, you know, knock on some wood. Hopefully they don't get injured, but you never know. It's college football. Um, 
and you got to have that depth. So in my mind, my player to watch on defense is just kind of the linebacker core and how that uh, defense uh, starts that that position on defense starts to develop even more. All right, let's talk about uh, special teams here. Uh, we've got um, I feel like I keep going to Betty, um, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to be watching Alex McPherson. Uh, and for the the reason that I'm thinking about, I don't think we're going to be kicking a lot of like long field goals or anything, um, but he'll be kind of tested, especially if this game goes the way I'm thinking. Well, with lots of touchdowns for our Auburn, he's going to have to kick off a lot. Um, and he's struggled, I think, in our first game, kicking the ball out of bounds. I want him to get really consistent with kicking the ball off, putting it deep in the end zone and not going out of bounds. Um, so that's the key in my mind. Again, this doesn't matter probably for Sanford, but it's more future state. Like if you kick the ball out against Alabama and put them at the 35 yard line, Alabama is probably going to capitalize and score some points on you. Georgia is going to do the same. LSU is going to do the same. Any of the main big SEC teams know what to do. And they, they see that as a, a break and they're kind of leaning in their, um, in their category. So, you know, it's just kind of I want to see Alex McPherson get pretty consistent um, with those kickoffs. Jared, on special teams, who are you going to be watching? Uh, probably Batie because uh, a couple of times, you know, one time he brought the ball out and he only got to like the 12 and then we had a holding yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, you know, the other times he probably got us to, you know, about the 25 where we would have been. So more in line of not even him, I guess, but what are the coaches going to recommend he does? Because. I know yeah. that's kind of his. That's kind of his thing, right? But if you're only getting to the 25, um, you know, you're you're risking injury for players having to block, mm-hmm. and you're risking holding calls. And so, you know, if he can bust them, great. And I think he can. And you never know until you try it, I guess. But if it's consistently okay, we're not getting further than the 25. Is it worth the risk if it's in the end zone? Because um, most teams now are just letting those go. Um, yeah, we're catching, it, we're catching it and running it out. So. Let's see what the strategy is with that moving forward is, is probably something I'll be looking at. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, just because Brian Batie, I mean, that's that was his specialty, and it has been. You saw how electric he was in the UMass game. Um, and, and what is going to be our strategy kind of with him moving forward? Because he's electric. I think we also have, I think, Jarquez. Um, now that he's back, he, he'll kind of be the – He was know, back between, there, yeah. Yeah, was between yeah. Batie and um, – him so it's just like both of those guys i'd be happy if they started carrying the ball out but you got to make sure like something is set up um and you know what to do like you don't want to just go out and run out of the end zone just because you can like you need some sort of plan um and so you know starting to develop that i think that that'll come um with, with a little bit of more time and practice Okay, so let's go into our last little section here. Um, well, we got this, uh, score predictions, and then we'll go into an Auburn fan perspective. So I guess two more segments here. Uh, score predictions. How are you feeling? Preseason, I predicted us to win 28 uh, by 28 points. Jared, you had us winning by 30 points. Are you still feeling good about the 30-point win? Wanting to change that? What are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I think we went by 40, actually. I think our defense is really showing me something i mean i, I could yeah. see yeah i could see a shutout i'm not gonna lie i don't know that we will i mean they could obviously go in there and score 14 or 20 i don't know but 
if you told me, Jerry, we're going to shut them out, I would not be surprised. So yeah. that limits how much the offense has to do. To get, and I, I mean, I think we score 40. I think we can score 50. I don't – we have so much talent there. We're going to be okay with these teams that we just way over talent. But the problem, you know, we don't have enough talent to go on the road to places and mess around. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what we did at the Cal game. So, like, I realize that happened at the Cal game. But at home against Sanford, yeah, I, I think we win by 40. Yeah, I'm I'm going around the same. I think 38 points. Uh, I think maybe Alex McPherson gets a field goal thrown in there with a bunch of touchdowns and something around that that realm seems pretty reasonable. Um, because I mean honestly, we could if we wanted to. I think against Sanford, run, 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 run over and over, and we could still beat them. I, I hope we don't do that. Like you said, I hope we air the ball out, kind of practice getting the kind of that again quarterback wide receiver combo you know that chemistry going because that's going to be very much needed um in a lot of these sec games because you have to be somewhat balanced uh kind of anywhere you go in the sec Uh, you can't just commit to the run or you commit to the pass you have to do a little bit of both um let's go into our last segment of the day and this is always a fan favorite and uh, one of our favorites um an Auburn fan perspective of the sec uh, I think kind of the big storyline here, and and I was seeing this kind of across the SEC, was there are a lot of SEC teams really struggling right now. So I'll, I'll just kind of list them out, and we'll, we'll we may kind of hit on a few of them. But Bama, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi State, obviously a little bit of Auburn right now too. But there, that's right there, eight teams in the sec that are struggling um there's a handful of others that have struggled like lsu you know losing in their first week but had a bounce back um playing pretty much you know nobody but you know it's a it's a win good for them um so you know it's kind of like there's a lot of i I, like i don't it's so early in the season i don't want to say it's a down year for the sec because it's probably not but I think other conferences are, you know, giving it to to the SEC teams. Is that kind of what you're feeling, or is it maybe true that we might be kind of the SEC as a conference is a little bit down? Um, I think you're seeing the culmination of the transfer portal and NIL. I think that um, I think you're seeing talent, more talent, be spread out. It started last year. Start like just like for example, the Ewers quarterback for Texas. He went from Ohio State to Texas last year because of the portal and NIL, so he could do it. Now he's in his second year with them. They go in, they beat Alabama. Okay. Yeah. You're seeing. I think a lot of this has started. I think. Um. I I do not think Georgia repeats. I watched them play, and I know that's okay. They got two in a row. I mean, that's very hard to do, and it's not crazy to say they don't. But I just don't think they do because I don't think they also were able to stockpile as much talent because of NIL and transfer portal. Well, and, and, so, and Auburn's been stealing from them a little bit. So you got to right. love that too. Right. I mean, I just think it's the, I, as much as I don't like, uh, well, not that I don't like it. I, as much as I think it creates a wild, wild West, I think it's had a inadvertent, <laughs> I think it is creating yeah. a little bit of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Where, uh, disparity parody, of parody, like, parody, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I think you look at like, 
like even teams like Colorado who have no shot, you know, last year before Deion Sanders and you know, they they're getting top literally the top guy in the country and you're like they're making waves and that's happening not only for small schools like Colorado but maybe other SEC teams and other power five teams too it's starting to spread things out a little bit which again i'm thinking back and reflecting on when nil stuff came out guess who were who were the most mad about nil it was the big dogs it was kirby smart it was uh you know nick saban it was jimbo fisher and they've all adapted don't get me wrong but like they were mad about it because they saw what the future was and and i think we're seeing that now with yeah, there are still going to be some powerhouses, I'm sure, but it's going to be less like Bama winning, you know, five championships in like six years or something like that. I don't think that's going to happen again because of how the like the NCAA is kind of structured with NIL deals. Well, just look at this. The I mean, nobody's really talked about this, but Florida State beat LSU because they grabbed a stud wide receiver from Michigan State and we were we were second. We came in second on him. His name's Coleman. He was the difference maker in that LSU Florida State game. He was the guy they threw mm. it to who ain't got it. And yeah. so again, transfer portal, NIL, if that kid's not on Florida State's team, I don't know if the Florida State wins that game. That's a loss for LSU. It's ha- it's just trickling down. And I agree with you. I think it's gonna be harder now to build a powerhouse because I mean I'm gonna anger some potential Ole Miss fans here, but I mean, Ole Miss was able <laughs> to it. just keep, oh yeah, right, I know. Ole Miss just kept a stud five-star guy in state, and that guy would have probably gone to Georgia or Bama, you know what mm. I'm saying, like before yep. all this, but they were able to make it happen because of the NIL stuff, so it's being spread around. I think it's, I think that is absolutely good for college football. I still think there needs to be tweaks to transfer portal. I don't think you can tweak NIL. It's just too, like, there is no like it can be any small business paying these people. I don't know how you right. I don't know how you police that, but you can police transfer a little better, and I think it still needs to be done. But all in all, yeah. I don't even know what what got us on this combo, but I definitely think that oh, you are talking about the well, SEC being yeah, down. I don't. I, I think other people have just risen up a little bit, um, and I think SEC schools that necessarily aren't used to winning may rise up eventually. Yeah, um, you know. College football is better when there's a chance that South Carolina beats Georgia on a, on a Saturday, right? <laughs> that's like that's true, just right? more fun. Yeah. And Georgia fans would disagree, but that's more fun for college football. And it used to happen. And I'll be honest with you. They play, they play this weekend coming up. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't put my money on it, but I watched Georgia play. And I, like, if it did, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And that, like, that's the way I think it should be. Like you said, where, any team could be any team on any given Sunday or Saturday for this case for, you know, college football. So that's the part that I love. Um, and, and I think the NIL, and then also, you know, we're talking, you know, again, generally with the SEC, you know, that's happening. And I think the SEC has got to pivot a little bit, figure out what is their, their kind of way forward with this. Uh, because I mean, it's still early in the season. We're only two weeks in, but I think it's got to change a little bit. And I, I'm sure these coaches and these coaching staffs and athletic departments are trying to figure this whole thing out uh, because the SEC isn't like rising above the cream of the crop like they, they used to be. Um, and so 
you know, that, that's something that I think we'll, we'll just kind of keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season. Um, I did want to hit on a few specific games. Um, I think one of the biggest ones was Texas beating Bama 34 to 24. So obviously a couple big things there. I mean, Bama hadn't lost a double digit win in Bryant Denny ever, or at least under Saban. So it's for that to happen. I mean, am I, am I like over exaggerating here? And I've seen some people talk about this. Is the dynasty truly over? I mean, I feel like we've kind of hinted at it a couple times, but like, is this dynasty of Bama's dominance in college football? Is it slowly kind of fading away? Am I being dramatic there? No, no, I think, I think it is. I think you've seen it with Clemson too. It doesn't mean that they're going to be bad. I mean, I'd be highly surprised if Bama ever got to where they lose four games under Saban. Right. But, yeah, they're not they're not going to dominate and they're not going to, um, you know, I, I I could see them losing three games this year. Now, they may not. But, um, yeah, they just don't have, again, the talents being spread around and they're just not able to go in and be like, hey, we have our starting five stars and we got five stars that would have come to play for you. But they're sitting on our bench. <laughs> so we're just yeah. we're that loaded. And I'll be honest with you, man. They got a quarterback problem. I mean, mm-hmm. That guy, he's very athletic, but he, I mean, he is a little better version of Robbie, in my opinion. I mean, I think he can play. I think he's a little better passer. Um, but other than that, he's kind of looking to run a lot. And I don't know. They may put that backup kid that transferred from Notre Dame in, and they may take off. Who knows? But they yeah. are not in sync. I mean, the plays that they made, it was like when Robbie makes plays. They were, like, off the chart, you know, like, not scripted. It was – yeah. Basically him making stuff happen and you can't go through the SEC and win consistently like that. Yeah, like a quick look at Alabama, Jalen Milrow, their quarterback, his stats, again, kind of a good comparison, is maybe a little bit more capable uh Robbie Ashford. He was you know, Jalen Milrow was averaging about fifty percent passing, had a couple touchdowns, but also had a couple interceptions. And he ran the ball. Yeah, for I think 44 yards. So again, kind of good comparison there. Again, more capable passer. I'll give him that. Um, but I don't think he's a world beater. Like he's not, I don't think Alabama is going to you know, use him and kind of build everything around him. Um, obviously, Alabama has a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong. But he's not going to be like a, I'm comparing him to like a Nick Marshall or a Cam Newton that, he's just super dynamic and he's the reason you win the game. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case all the time with that guy. Um, and that's okay. Maybe Bama doesn't have to do that, but was a little bit more concerning about Bama and think about Saban. You know, he's a big defense guy, but even more specifically kind of the secondary. Um, and there were so many guys left open in that Texas game. And I'm sure Saban is pulling out his hair, uh, trying to figure out what went on, with those um, because Texas, they, they were just throwing right over Alabama's head a few times. To, and that's, I think that's the difference in the game. Um, if Bama doesn't allow some long passes, it, it could be a difference. Um, another kind of interesting one. Um, there was a matchup against uh, Miami versus Texas A&M, who was ranked 23rd, um, no longer ranked obviously because Texas A&M lost. Um, but Texas A&M, Man, has there ever been a team in your mind in recent history that has done less with their players with way more talent? Like, 
they've had so much talent but never done anything really amazing with them. In my mind, it's Texas A&M. Is there any other teams maybe that kind of compare to what Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher are essentially, in my mind, squandering all of that talent at Texas A&M? No, I mean, I, I can't. No, not to that level. I mean, you could argue Georgia for so long did yeah. it a little bit. But maybe maybe under rigged, but it wasn't like he'd win like nine wins, ten yeah, win yeah, season. Not, like not to that level. They were they were very yeah. successful. They just they had championship talent. It wasn't yes, no. What what I don't understand it. I mean, I to me, I think to me, I think the team not not quit. That's not the right word. I just don't think they respond to him anymore. Yeah, um, they're too talented. I mean, I saw a play where I didn't see much of the game, but the Miami guy had beat you know one of the DBs. He quit running. Like, wow. he quit running after the guy. And I'm thinking, you don't see that in college football, man. Um, I, I just don't think the players respond to him. And I think I actually thought that they would be pretty dangerous this year because I think Bobby Petrino is, you know, outside of his personal stuff, is a pretty good play caller. And they may still wind up being dangerous. and They may destroy Auburn, but I'm less scared about them now. I mean, I just don't think it's just not working. And yeah. they're in a mess because they have a very big contract down there. Yeah. I, uh, now, I now Miami's good. I mean, I think Miami's good. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, I want to be fair. They were not playing – they weren't playing Cal. Okay, Miami is a much better team than Cal. But A&M is also a much more talented team than Auburn right now. I hate to say it. And it, it ain't a little – it don't – I mean, we beat them last year. Yeah. So I, I just looked up because I was curious – because we all know Jimbo Fisher's buyout was insane, uh, but I, I I'd forgotten how insane it was. Um, if he gets fired during this season, it's a seventy-six point eight million dollar buyout, and it's all like guaranteed money. Like his contract is guaranteed money, so like whatever he's got left on his contract, that's what he's gonna get paid. So like that in and of itself is just insane. Whoever at Texas A&M thought that was a great idea. They're absolutely terrible decision maker. <laughs> like, well, and he, and it, things were going south at Florida State. Like they didn't probably yeah. even have to offer him that much. I mean, right? I, 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 like <clears throat> he was. I, I felt like he was trying to get out of Florida State because he knew it was a yes. dumpster fire. And guess what? It was his fault down at Florida State. And now I'm like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, Jimbo Fisher, he's gonna revamp Texas A&M. He's a great coach. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like I, he I, he. He caught a, like a little bit of glimpse of that at Florida State, won a national championship, but like since then it's been nothing close to that. I'm sure these presidents and ads have consultants and stuff, but they just keep getting taken to the cleaners, man. With these trying to deal with agents, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, like it's just not their. You would think an ad, but it's just not like a president. They got so much on their table, right? I don't know. It's like they're, it's like, you know, Vanderbilt up against Bama. I mean, they're just getting yeah. taken. Yeah, it's, it literally is like they don't, you know, there's no chance. And I don't know how you equal this out, but these bad contracts. And I, I mean, it's personal to me and you because, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard Auburn. I mean, we've yep. made some bad contract decisions. Um, I mean, you look at, you know, Harson, we had to pay him, what was it, like 20 million or whatever it was to get him out. Um, same kind of thing with Gus Malzahn. And you're like, yeah. That extension Gus got in 2017 was just – I mean, I don't mind keeping Gus. I think we should have kept Gus. But the amount that we guaranteed on the buyout was just silly. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't going to Arkansas. Yeah. We got, we got 
tricked on that and we got scared and we overpaid and i'm like it just keeps happening with these yeah. coaches their their agents um and, anyways, and i don't i don't i don't think that's gonna stop i mean unless no. these athletic directors kind of generally say or presidents of universities just say we're putting our foot down this is what we're offering you take it or leave it yeah, it would take yeah, it would take schools coming together, but then some. All it takes is one school to be like, "Hey, okay, we're going to break the rule here and offer a little yeah. more because we really need you." So it's yeah. so hard to do, but um, I'm okay front loading your contract. But when you put it on the back end, you really restrict the university on what they can do. Um, to and and you can put them in a bind. Uh, mm-hmm. They really need to get rid of a coach. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that, that's crazy. A&M has the money. To them, $78 million is probably like $78 to me and you. Um, <laughs> they got that Texas oil money out there. They got that oil money, but it still would look bad in the headlines to be like, yeah. hey, they paid $78 million to get rid of a guy. I know. And that's where I'm like, what if, you know, uh, Texas A&M, what did they go, like 5-7, and 4-7, or 4-8 and eight last year? Yeah. Something crazy left. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I'm talking about if they did it again, yeah. Yeah, no, if they do that again, he's, he's gone. out. Like I think it, I think even if they have a losing record this year, as crazy that may be, if they go like five and seven this year, he's gone. I think like, he's gone if they go seven and five. I think he has to win eight games. I think that with the talent they have and the new hires he made, like they're not rebuilding. They literally have some of the best talent on the roster in the country. Yeah, and some of those are two or three years on the roster now. And if he goes seven and five, I think he's out because that's yeah. like, like that's. At some point, you have to realize, yeah, it was 75 to get rid of him, but we're paying him 11 a year to put up seven wins. Like, you know, how much further down the road are we going to go with this? Right. Well, and I saw, I think it was Brandon Marcello kind of putting some stats together, comparing uh, 62 games that, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher and then the previous coach, uh, Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M had, and they're so similar. Like both of them have such similar records, and even Kevin Sumlin, who I thought was an okay coach out out there, he's actually has a little bit of a leg up on better record than uh, Jimbo by three games. So it's like, how is this happening? Like Texas A&M is has only won one of the last eight games against Power Five teams. Yep, that should never happen. Like that's that's the kind of stats you know you you're seeing with uh, towards the end of Harson's tenure. And you're like, Texas A&M in that situation. Um, that's just a little wild that that's still going on over there. Um, a couple other very brief uh, headlines here. Um, again, some teams that were struggling. You know, Kentucky uh, beat Eastern Kentucky. Um, they did beat them by 11 points, but I looked at the line of which team was favored to win, and Kentucky was favored by 35 points and only beat them by 11. Um Again, it's Kentucky. I kind of take it with a grain of salt, but still, like you expect, uh, you know, at least to get close to the line and cover. Um, a couple other kind of ones there. Um, Mississippi State, uh, which they were playing at Arizona. I'll give them that. But it took them overtime um, to finally beat Arizona. Uh, and it also, I think, took Mississippi State causing uh, Arizona to have five turnovers. Um, which we thought Auburn with four last week against Cal was pretty bad, but five and still winning. That's, it's quite a feat. Um, so pretty crazy there. Um, yeah, it's just seeing kind of like the struggle. There's been a handful of teams that are doing pretty good, kind of holding their own, like Georgia, um, Ole Miss, 
handled business. Um, Arkansas, LSU this week, um, Florida, and South Carolina kind of just handled business. But they're some of them were just playing nobody teams. It was kind of like a, a cupcake week for them. Uh, so kind of wild, kind of interesting, and uh, something that we'll definitely keep an eye on. Uh, keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the SEC. Um, you know, like, like we were talking about what kind of things are going on with like NIL and what, how that's changing the landscape of uh, college football and specifically in the SEC. So Jared, before we get out of here, how can the people stay in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, under Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, A-J-Y, J-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.